1: You ever wish there was a check-off list, a a list that would tell you whether or not you're a Christian? Well, there is one, of sorts. We'll take a look at it next. Please join us. I think most of us are good with lists. Many of us like lists. They, They make things black and white. Well, we're not going to make things black and white for you today, but we are going to encourage you a bit from God's Word. Hebrews chapter 6, to be specific. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our message is called The Characteristics of True Christians. And the author of Hebrews lays out for us some of those characteristics. Not definitive, per se. They aren't a check-off list that we can check off, walk away, and be happy till we die. But they are a good indication. Please join us. Here's Pastor Phil with more.
2: He says, but by the way, I think better things of you. I've seen things in you that accompany salvation. I see things in you that tell me you're saved. And he's comforted by that. And he's Gives them that comfort, and so I'm going to look at just three characteristics that he saw in them and that he encouraged, which are so basic to real Christianity. What is Christianity? Uh, all the uh, uh, the washings, the baptisms, the offerings, the sacrifices, the Old Testament rituals. All of this. What is a? What does a real Christian look like? Do we measure them at the offering box? Uh, oh, they're a giver. Well, uh, that's wonderful. We That ought to be there. But what does he focus on? Three things. You remember what he said in First Corinthians? Now abideth faith, hope, and charity. Remember? You don't act like you remember. Are you awake? Now abideth. Do you abide? <laughs> faith, hope. And charity. And he's going to underscore this about them. Three things he sees in them. I remember years ago, uh, one of the uh, Dallas faculty members, Gene Getz, wrote a book called The Measure of Maturity. The Measure of Maturity. And he took and he based it upon the writings of Paul were the common phrases, he would summarize their faith. Let me just let you look at it. Look at First Thessalonians, and you'll see, and this is what he pivoted off of. And notice what he just lumps together that describes these believers. First Thessalonians 1, 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And those are the three things he's going to mention here. They had a a love that worked, they had a steadfast, they did works of faith, and they had a steadfast hope. So let us pick up in verse 9 of Hebrews. Though we speak in this way, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie— Of Melchizedek, and he'll pick up that subject in chapter 7. So, we want to look at three things that characterize these people. First of all, he said, I am convinced of better things about you, for this is what I see. I see a love at work among you that ministers, that works, that helps others, that's engaged, and he says to them, God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And he tells them, I hope that you'll remain diligent about this and that you'll continue to keep it up. And then he goes on to tell them, I hope that you'll be diligent Not sluggish about this, you're doing something wonderful, don't get sluggish about it. And he goes on, but he said, I have seen a love at work among you that's demonstrated and manifested by what you're doing for the saints. You're helping the saints, you're ministering to them. And he uses two words you're doing work, you're doing the work, energy kind of a word, another word, a word for deacon, you're doing ministry. You're waiting on tables. You're doing physical things, helpful, observable things. God's people are known by a love that will get their hands dirty. It's the kind of love that will wait tables. That was the idea there in Acts 6, the first deacons. They waited tables. They took care of the widows. They sat, they did what was necessary for it to have a ministry. They removed all impartiality among the widows. It. It was a love that got active. I'm always afraid of people who say, I love you in my heart. And that's as far as it's going. What if I'm dying in your midst? What if I'm naked? What if I'm hungry, according to 1 John? Do you have the kind of love that would clothe me? Do you have the kind of love that would feed me? Or are you like the uh, story of the Good Samaritan that the most religious people in the narrative, uh, the priest and the Levite, they walk by on the other side. They must not be dirtied, especially in a racial context. You can't get dirty with a Samaritan or with somebody else. We can't get involved. We're too busy saying our prayers to help. We're too busy being religious to get involved in somebody broken down. We don't need rescue missions. Let somebody else do it. No. The love that works in a person's heart will break out doing whatever it takes. You know what? I I thank God I worked up grew up in a culture of Christianity. You didn't pray about it, you did something. You you prayed while you worked. That almost sounded like a chorus, huh? Uh Moody was on a ship one time that caught fire. And someone said, Mr. Moody, please pray. He said, I will, but hand me a bucket. Getting involved. Now, the the tragedy, what often happens is we get so consumed in the work that we've quit the love. The motivation drops out, and we're just doing the work, and we're agitated. We're upset. Why doesn't someone help us? Where's the rest of them? He said, it was a love that broke out in doing work. And that's the battle, to keep that balance in our heart that if I give my body to be burned, it won't profit anything if the motivation isn't love. You can do a whole lot of good things for folks that you don't even like. Some people get paid to do that. That's why, don't you notice, it's hard to get a clerk that smiles in some places? Now, how do you treat them when they do smile? Sometimes they may have been waiting on Christians too much who never tip. And so the rudeness given to them has wiped away the smile. But you can get where service is nothing but uh, labor, labor. There's no love involved in it. Now, to have a love that springs out with these deeds. Can you love me and not do something for me? said, I think I can. I love the whole world, but good. What are you doing? I'm watching uh, Fox News, seeing everything that's wrong with this world. Are you involved on any level? I mean, on what level? I can't help the whole world. I can only help those in my world, those around me. And so he says. I am convinced you are not of those that are turning back. I'm convinced you're not of those who just sit in church, take in sermons, spit them out, that you've been enlightened. You've tasted of things to come. You've had all this exposure. And in the end, you say, crucify him. I don't want it. But I've seen something different in you. And what I've seen is a love that is actively engaged in ministering to people's needs of various sorts. You know, needs. uh, Maybe you need to have your eyes examined. We're loaded with needs. I mean, people are lonely. uh, People are needy. People are fighting. In this church right now, the people fighting cancer, needing meals, needing an encouragement card. I mean, we've got a lot of sick people in this church now fighting for their lives. We've got ministry opportunities. We fan it, we fan it. And uh, sometimes I ask myself, how much begging do you do? How much recruiting do you do? When do they come to us and say, I must do something. Point me to a place Right, do something. Well, well, here's a broom. I had a man used to bug me all the time. Very type A. He was triple A. And uh, 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 just got saved, led him to the Lord. And he wanted to get his hands on everything. And he wanted to do. And he's just a young believer. And he he came to me, I I want to do something. And and that was a wonderful thing about him, truly. But he was a young believer. We didn't know where to put him. I said, You know what? I'll start at the back door of this church and just look. For a kid who has shoes that are worn out. And start there. What? I said start looking for kids with worn out shoes. And buy them some shoes. Well that's not ministry. I think it is. If I was that kid I'd think it was ministry. Hilltop top assembly. When I grew up as a boy I was on crutches. And I lived in South Richmond. South of Cutting. South of... Uh, a Hoffman, where Hoffman Freeway is, we live right next to the Ford plant, practically, in the projects. And it would flood if you were, been a Richmonder long, and if you remember the 50s, it flooded a lot. We had all kinds of rain, and all the uh, drainage system of Richmond went that way, so the projects would flood quite frequently. I remember, and, and the granddaughter of the man that used to pick me up in crutches and braces in a Sunday school bus and wade out there in his boots, go to the projects, pick up this boy and get him in a Sunday school bus. Uh, That man's granddaughter married one of the guys in our church. And one day she came to me, Daniel Sanchez, she said, my grandfather says he remembered picking you up as a crippled boy and taking you to Sunday school. Do you think that man will have any reward in heaven? But I've seen some saints, they're overexposed and underdeveloped. They're like a bad film. Uh, they're, uh, they're great on exercise. They watch, rather they're great on diet. They watch everything, they eat, but they're totally under exercise. They got knowledge, big head, small heart, and whole hands. And he said, I see you guys ministering to the saints. You know? And I would say, if you want to get over miserable Christianity, find something to do in the name of Jesus for others. Uh, is it hard to write an encouragement card? Uh, th- does anyone uh, teach your children? Does anyone watch over your children's nursery? Uh, I, one of our Sunday school teachers had faint if they got a thank you note from you and said, I thank God he put you there to help shape my child, the one that's been driving me crazy at home. Uh, what about, do you think we ought to do anything for widows or forget about them? We want to be a young church. No, no, I don't. I just want to be the church. I ain't picking the age. There's ministry all over And I would know your Christianity was authentic, according to this writer, if I saw you ministering to the saints. And he says something that's overwhelming. God does not forget what you do for his people. He doesn't forget it. Look what it says. God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you've shown for his name. By serving the saints, and you still do it. If I wanted something, if I needed money in this church, there's certain people I would ask for it. Because I believe if they had it and can do it, they would, I mean, I'm talking about for the cause of Christ. They would write a check if they could. And I've seen them do it time and time again. Absolutely. Uh, there's people that if we need something to get done, you know, Gene Schnabel and Galene, Gene is an elder. He, he is not a donut man. Because that was going by the way, and so many of you enjoyed it and loved it. Just a cup of coffee to keep you spiritual. And, uh, well, we could stand you for the morning service. Uh, he, he just he and Galen just grabbed it. And then, of course, Catherine jumped in. The, guess what? Uh, usually deacons. not You don't even need a deacon. You don't need to be at church. You don't have to have big character to just make coffee and put out. They've been doing it for years. You know why? Get, show me something to do. What needs to be done? I'm not going to pray about it. Show me the need. The need. You got me. Some of you just walk in, walk out, walk in, and this church could go to pot, and it would never be changed by you, because you're a taker, not a giver. And we wouldn't know you're a Christian by that, that attitude. He says here, I know I could see the love of God working among you. You're you're helping them. Listen, listen we we'll just move from this. This is too convicting. That the model of, you know, when you say this, look in our language I love you. Watch this now. Wait, wait. You just said you loved your pet turtle. You moved up to your dog. You included your grandma. You, you said you loved mom. And now you're saying you love me. What? In what way do you love me any different than the turtle? Love in the English language has absolutely no meaning. We don't know what it means. I like you. Uh, I love you, baby. No, you don't. You're lusting for me. You're trying to get me to go to bed with you, but you don't love me. You're going to drop me after tonight. If I got sick, if I got pregnant, you wouldn't know my name. But you just said you love me. Am I telling the truth? That's why Hollywood makes marriages about one night, or rather films about one night stands. They make no movies about marriages. Because Hollywood specializes in one night stands. The wine, the ambiance, the mood, the, the, the. Could you give us a film of a 30-year marriage? Oh, man, we don't know what that is. You mean you'd be with the same woman 30 years? Yeah. Yeah. You could, Man, that's putting up with a whole lot. Yeah, that's right. It sure is. Has she been putting up with a whole lot? Make me a movie, Hollywood, on that. You don't know a thing about it. You don't know anything about a love that will sacrifice for a woman dying of cancer, and you won't bail out on her. That's love. This is love that sacrifices. God so loved that He lusted for us. No, He so loved that He sacrificed His best for us. That's God's love. I love you. I value you. I put an estimation on you that you're worth sacrificing for. Now, I want to tell you that hits the root of my selfishness, my self centeredness, my conceit. Oh, I don't know if I love like that. I don't even know if I want to. I might get dirty. I might get crucified. There's no safe way to love. If you dare love, you're set up to get hurt. I've got relationships. I've had many of them that I just don't know whether to go any further because I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I don't think it's that stable. I don't want to invest much more because I'm waiting for them to walk out. And so we all become very uh, this way in relationship. How are you? How are you? And and so we become God's frozen few. We're, We're all right. Am I dancing? Yes, I am. And so like that. But look, it amazes me. What was the last thing Christ did before he died? He stooped and washed their feet. And John 13 once said the reason he did it, he wanted to show them the full extent of his love. I'm willing to stoop, serve you, and then die for you. I see this kind of love working in you people. I believe that you know God. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you all are doctrinally on the same page. I was born again among people that don't hardly believe half the stuff I teach around here, and they're just as saved as any of you smart Alex. Just as saved. You don't get saved based on IQ. He saves children. We all don't have to say it the same way. But they loved each other, and that's how I knew it. It was a contagious Christianity. It was the real thing. I've gained more knowledge but sometimes I don't know if my heart has kept up with what my knowledge is. I wish my heart would enlarge. Second Corinthians 6, Paul said something heartbreaking. In the Greek, he says this to the Corinthians. It is a strain for you to love me since you have no room in your heart. It literally is a Greek word for I give you cramps. Cramps is I'm tight. There's no room to move. He said it's cramping you to love me. But it doesn't cramp me to love you, for God has enlarged my heart. I had a brother one time tell me, I have found it difficult to love you, for I have closed my heart to you. I would say to you, don't lose your first love. If you quit loving, who cares? If you've got the knowledge of angels, could talk in the tongues of men and angels, and you know all mysteries, who cares? God won me to himself, not by a knowledge contest, but loving me enough to die for me. That's how I know God loves me. Amen. Willing to die for me. And this world, he said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples. And the reason they don't want to come to our churches, the reason they don't want to know us, they find us judgmental, critical, uh, do nothing, and a shrunken heart God forbid that we think that's what God does. God changes the heart, gives us a heart to love people. What a marvelous thing. We're known when we love. Just love like him, and God won't forget it. When you've done anything for his people, why? Jesus said, you fed me. Uh, You visited me in prison. And they say to him in Matthew 25, when did we ever see you this way? He said, when you were good to the least of these, when you visited the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Oh, that we get a view of how God views people. But we're so selective in who we're going to give our love to. God was just willing to love anyone.
1: And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. The ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. We have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call. 855 855- Eight three three ninety eight sixty four. 833 9864 Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855 855- or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue Suite 278 Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547 and that website once again truthfortodayradio.org It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.